are listening to the Savage Fincast, episode 21, Severe Tooth Pain. Chicago. A criminal mastermind called Overlord held our city in his terrifying grip. Ordinary cops were losing the battle against Overlord's super freaks and mutants. Then, a miracle happened. When I found him, he had no memory of his past. I helped him find an identity and a life. Now we have a fighting chance. Now we have the dragon. This is the Savage Fincast. Uh, coming at you again with a brand new episode. I am Jim Purcell. I'm Craig Olson. And with you as always, Raven Perez. Except for all the times you aren't with us. That's right. <laughs> hey, we're illegal now. Oh, yeah. Oh, right. Yeah, episode 21. We can go to war. Or Wait, we could have done that a while ago. <laughs> <laughs> we could have died three episodes ago, but now, you know. I don't know what... Nah, drinking. Yeah, it's like, when are you legal? What are we legal we're, for? We're getting close to two years. It's actually going by pretty... Yeah, by we'll pretty be, fast. Yeah, probably be episode 24 here come November, and that'll be our two-year mark, so... Yeah. God. Pretty cool. We're actually... We've been... We're keeping up with, uh, you know, Eric Larson, who's been a machine this year. We're getting in our monthly podcast is on a, on a good clip, so uh, I'm pretty happy about it. Yeah. Pretty soon we're going to be able to be snobby about it, don't you think? Um, like We'll get to be jerks. I thought you were already kind of snobby about it. <laughs> I do. I use it to get into the comic store. Like, yeah. <laughs> Out of the way, rough. You're trash. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm a podcaster. <laughs> Fincast, you've heard of it? <laughs> Maybe you know Craig Olson, <laughs> Jim Pazell. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't. <laughs> what is that? What is that? The, the, the millionaire from Gilligan's Island? <laughs> Lover. Thurston Howell. Thurston. Isn't it Thurston Howell? <laughs> it is Thurston. <laughs> Mr. Magoo. Was he Mr. Magoo? I don't know. Point is, is that I am snobby about being on a podcast, and it's only going to get worse. Throw it in everyone's face. I do. I do. Are you in a podcast? <laughs> I'm on the internet. <laughs> hundreds of views <laughs> just last month 15 people listened to our podcast they don't let just anyone upload a podcast <laughs> so uh, um you should probably get into eric larson news yes um first bit of news uh, the uh, Jack Kirby Museum exclusive piece that we talked about a couple of episodes ago is now for public sale online. Um, yeah, back in episode 18, we told you all about an exclusive Savage Dragon print that Eric ha- was selling at the uh, Calgary Comics Expo back in April uh, in order to raise funds for the Jack Kirby Museum. Uh, Eric was selling an exclusive Savage Dragon print uh, which was limited to 250 copies, featuring Dragon and Malcolm in a Jack Kirby homage based on uh, Captain America. Uh, the re- there were uh, leftover prints, and the remaining prints are now available for sale online at the Jack Kirby Museum website, 
which you can find at kirbymuseum.org slash shop. Uh, the prints are $25 a piece plus five shipping. And they are freaking sweet. Do you have one? Nope, but I sure do think they're <laughs> sweet. But I, I wish I did. I do wish I did. <laughs> oh, Lord. No, it was a pretty. That's cool pretty cool piece. that they're available though. Yeah. I know. Uh, I seen a few people that were like bummed out that they couldn't make it to the Calgary Expo, and now that it's available online, anyone can get it. So I'm sure Gavin threw all his money at the computer screen when he saw the news. <laughs> the euro crashed. <laughs> uh, so yeah I'm sure Gavin has the original art oh, yeah now. he probably does and for those who don't know who we're talking about Gavin Higginbotham the editor of first time listeners Savage Dragon <laughs> who has uh, a bajillion pieces of original art that we're all very jealous of when it comes to Savage Dragon so am, uh, for what's that I said I'm green with jealous rage I I'm okay with it. Am. Have you seen that? Have you seen his Facebook page? He just, I yeah, spreads it all around, gets everyone jealous about it, <laughs> rubs it all, rubs it in our body face. at night. Like if Facebook look, had I, a be, a begrudging like, I would click that. Look, mm-hmm. I have every original piece of artwork Frank Fosco ever drew. <laughs> and you don't. <laughs> Frank Fosco's chained up in Gavin's uh, closet. Exactly. Again, More pages. <laughs> Shut up, you. <laughs> All right, moving, <laughs> moving on. Um, next bit of news. Uh, Eric Larson was interviewed on the Stuff Said podcast. Uh, last month, Eric Larson was uh, Greg Shigels. I think I'm hopefully not murdering his last name. Greg Shigels uh, podcast, Stuff Said, um, which... Uh, the two sat together for uh, like a two-hour conversation. They covered all the bases from Eric's early years to his fan base, his reputation as being a, quote, troublemaker, uh, experimentation in Savage Dragon, and uh, much more. It was a really entertaining listen. I enjoyed it. And when you listen to it, you can tell the two are having a lot of fun with it. Um, I think Greg actually went to Eric Larson's house. I think that's what they said in, in the interview. And so it was kind of like a relaxed atmosphere, and they're just kind of much more professional um, operation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they're all mic'd up with, uh, I imagine, and uh, you know, they're all talking in person. But um, it was really, inter- uh, really entertaining. If you like podcasts, which you probably do, if you're listening to our podcast, <laughs> um, you're gonna want to check it out. It's uh, you can download it at the stuffsaidshow.com. Um, but check it out. It's it's a lot of fun. Sweet. Did you guys listen to it at all? I have not listened to it. I need to. I've seen it, but uh, you know, I don't. Uh, anytime, hear... Eric, anytime Eric's on a podcast, it's it's interesting stuff. I mean, the guy's just blunt and funny, and you know, it's just. I mean, if you guys have listened to, not talking to you, but the the listeners, if if you've listened to Eric on our show, you know, it's a it's always a good time when he comes on. He'll break into a spontaneous Shakespearean verse. <laughs> you never know what that guy's going to do. With a hither. <laughs> <laughs> Moving right along, uh, covers and solicitations were released for Savage Dragon 193. Uh, the images and covers for 193 
display the bold new logo. It's got Malcolm in the spotlight with the caption, First Issue in a Bold New Direction. Uh, there's also, now that cover looks really sweet in and of itself. Uh, you've got Malcolm in the foreground, Dragon in the background. It's a changing of the guard kind of style. But there's also going to be an excellent variant cover. It's got Malcolm in a cover jam between Image Founding Fathers, Eric Larson, and Spawn's Todd McFarlane. So that is absolutely sick to death. Um, I'm going to get both probably. What about you cats? Of course, without a doubt. I'm pretty sure digital will only give me one option. Oh, it's... Ho, ho. Nope. Maybe I should talk Eric to putting it on the back cover. Hey, now there's an idea. That would be ridiculous if they came out like with two covers digitally. Yeah. And someone bought that. See. <laughs> in, in a perfect world, you just get both covers. And then the rest <laughs> of it. But it it, it, get, it gets dicey, and I, I don't think I've seen any variant coverage with Savage Dragon. Oh. Do Has there ever been like digital comics sold with variant covers? I honestly don't know. I, I can't say. I know I haven't seen any with the ones I've purchased. Typically, if there are variant covers, the common ones and not the exclusive ones are like bundled together. So you, like, you see the main cover, and then you switch it for like the B cover, and then the comic yeah. starts. But they like, uh, yeah. yeah, like that. I haven't ever okay. seen two same comics with two different covers. I've never seen it. It just doesn't seem like it would make sense. It, you, nah. They'll sell anything to anyone, so I wouldn't put it past somebody <laughs> to try. <laughs> uh, the uh, solicitation on 193. Uh, Here we go. Go, Here we go, go Raven, go. I need my popcorn. <clears throat> I need my popcorn. Get ready. Summer movie time. A new beginning. It's the ultimate jump on point for new readers and a bold new beginning as Malcolm Dragon takes over the title role from his famous father. Malcolm Dragon's not your typical teenager. He lives in an apartment by himself in downtown Chicago. He's a junior who just transferred to a new high school and he's trying his best to fill the shoes of his father, the Savage Dragon, fighting the forces of evil in the Windy City. New dangers, new adventures, Get in on the ground level of a whole new savage dragon. Watch those hard peas there, Raven. Oh, I think you just blew out your microphone in my ears. Oh, sorry, guys. You know, but it was hard, awesome. Yeah. I enjoyed every bit of it. Right of hard peas always be auto, hard peas always been a problem for me. You ought to see the toilets in my house. I love how you crack yourself up. <laughs> Jeez, you killed me. You killed me here. Come on. You know, I didn't read this very carefully last time, but I hadn't noticed that it mentions he's transferring high schools. Mm -hmm. Interesting twist. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I wonder what that's about. I wonder, I wonder what that means for Maxine. Well, isn't she already in college? Yeah. Wait, I thought Cause... she was younger than him. Nope, because it's a no, she had a older. job and she had that job at a Hot Dog and a Stick. Oh right, okay, so she's older than he is. And her friends yeah. were teasing her, remember? Oh yeah, you're right. Mm -hmm. Okay, guess that answers that question. So yeah, big, 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 exciting, exciting anticipation. It's a, it is awesome. I'm not super sold on the logo yet. You will be. Oh, will I? You will. <laughs> 
you see anything long enough, you're gonna. It seems a little blank. bit. I'm looking at the logo. It seems a little bit different than some of the preview ones he gave. I, I for some reason, I thought like the savage was smaller than the dragon, and now mm-hmm. it's all like uniformly the same size. Yeah, it always was. Was it okay? I guess I was just yeah. making stuff up. But um, <laughs> I don't know. There's something. I don't know. There's something just a little, still a little something a little flat about it. We'll see. I still like the original one better, but I, you know, I, it's hard to top it. Right. You, you know. I think it's cool, though. I think, like I said in another uh, episode of our podcast, it's just kind of neat that Savage Dragon's at that stage where it's getting a different logo. You know, all the long-running comics have gone, you know, go through one or two different logo changes, sometimes more. So it just makes sense that at some point, you know, even for a little while, Savage Dragon gets a different logo. Yeah, it also it seems that Eric's taking a, a page out of the uh, Robert Kirkman playbook and putting a big number one on the cover. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is awesome. I hope it kind of uh, gets some new people to try it out, and I, I hope that you know he gets a good push for this. I hope he gets you know uh, some good articles and maybe previews will spotlight it or something. But it would be nice to to get like uh, some publicity for this. It is, uh, I think. I think it's awesome just because even like I'm glad you mentioned the Invincible cover, Jim, because like, uh, you know, I'm the only comic reader in my house. But when my girlfriend saw that new number one in a, you know, new direction or whatever on the Invincible thing. Issue 101. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she picked it up and she read it. So it's kind of like, you know, that stuff works. Yeah, definitely. Because she thought she was getting in on the ground floor or something. (laughs) So. <laughs> it does seem like a more efficient way to soft launch your book than having to actually give it an actual number one that you're just going to get rid of in a few issues anyway. Like Marvel right. does historically. I mean, we're over the new number one, but it does help like like readers to get excited. I mean, people see that stuff and, you know... Cover number is an intimidating thing. If they see that bold number one or whatever, sometimes they glaze over the smaller real number and they, you know, jump on in. 193rd issue of A Bold New Direction. Exactly. (laughs) The 193rd first issue. Exactly. (laughs) Oh, God. It's exciting. I'm excited. Yeah. Yeah. So it's interesting, the, the the final cover for 193 rolled out, uh, and a few days later they rolled out the uh, cover for 194. Um, what do we got here? He posted it up on his Twitter account. Um, Larson's caption on the photo stated, I just got this in, I, could not, I couldn't not share this. Good double negative there, Eric. Uh, the cover to Savage Dragon 194. So Eric also posted the cover to his Facebook page, where uh, one fan inquired about uh, his idea for the the villain's look on the cover, uh, and Eric uh, stated, "This one is a spin on the old devil on one shoulder, angel on the other motif. Uh, he's tormented by the two voices in his head, pulling in uh, pulling him in opposite directions. And uh, for those at home, the cover's got uh, basically it's like a big demon-looking guy using Malcolm as a club." And uh, the guy's got, like, two horns on his head, except for the two horns are, like, two faces. And Yeah, one half of his body's red, one half of it's white. Right. So it's like, I, I imagine it's good and evil on each side of him, with the two heads 
got two small heads popping out of his forehead like horns. So I imagine they're kind of bickering back and forth or something, driving this guy crazy. I don't know. He looks awesome. Certainly an interesting design, and I could have sworn I've seen this guy before. And I, uh, others have posted images of, like, similar-looking guys with, like, uh, this one ugly-looking guy with, like, nubs, nubs on his head with faces. But I could have swore this specific guy, but apparently not. Yeah, that, that character is called Mr. Faces. He's a vicious circle character, and he's got almost kind of like the same kind of horns on his head that have faces, but it's it's not the same character. I, I just could have swore there was like a background character in God Town or something that looked like this guy, but... No, probably. It, it could be. But I think Eric posted that he's a new yeah, character. Yeah, that's the thing. The Eric said he's brand new, and so... I mean, one of the, the, one, of the, the one of the faces looks like Mr. Glum. I could just be confusing, like, uh, Hercules... Uh, kneecaps oh yeah <laughs> yeah the the best thing i think about that cover i mean the villain looks great but the whole the whole scene on the cover it looks like a jack kirby type scene i mean they got this villain that's swinging uh malcolm around by his leg and they're up like you know 20 stories high or whatever on this side of a building and just like you just see you know the people down below looking up at them it's you know the whole cityscape is pretty amazing on this cover it, it's probably, you know, I, I feel like I say this a lot lately, but this is an awesome cover and right up there with one of my favorite covers so far I've seen. I mean, the yeah. side of the building's all blown apart. It just looks neat. You, got, you really got to see it. I, I, the, color experiment is in, the color experiment is in full effect, and it's really working good here. Right, with the yeah. with the uh, the solid background color and the detailed foreground. Mm-hmm. It looks really, really makes like... Uh, Malcolm and that uh, new logo and the villain just pop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, and the funny thing is, this is going to be the second issue that the new logo appears on, and the new logo is like almost completely covered by the image. Like when you look at it, like <laughs> you know, Malcolm's like getting swung in front of the the logo, and you can barely even see it. So, I mean, you'll know it's Savage Dragon because Malcolm's like all over the front cover. But <laughs> you know, it is pretty funny that it's completely covered, pretty much. So yeah, that, that that should be a pretty cool issue. If yeah, it's half I'm as cool as the cover. It. Yeah, and it and it's like you know it's cool because it's like new direction. We're seeing a brand new villain right off the bat. It's it's uh it's something to look forward to. I'm looking forward to like all you know Eric introducing a whole bunch of new guys. Yeah, it's been kind of the um, they they pulled a, he pulled a Spider Man for a little bit where I mean Lord knows we can't accuse the man of not making new characters he's got fifty billion but I mean the classics like Mako and you know all those dudes they really were the definitive like dragon villains and it's going to be cool to see Malcolm you know get his own rogues gallery yeah definitely. yeah I I do really hope to see more of that more more characters that are Malcolm Malcolm you know specific centric. Yeah, we'll see uh, where that goes. Yeah. So uh, I think that's it for our news. Um, had a lot of news this uh, this month, which is cool. So it's good to have. Um, yeah, all the news yeah, is good news, or however that saying goes. <laughs> that's sort of like it. Moving on, then I guess let's uh, let's get into our trivia question segment. Where Craig will sing the intro. Take it away, Craig. Oh, sorry. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I, I forgot it. the song. 
thought you should made I a sing jingle. The, the, should I sing the Savage Dragon theme? How does it go? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. You know what's so funny? The theme doesn't have words. It's just that spoken word intro. It's just Frank kind of talking over it. And then there's exactly. lots, Chicago. lots and lots of synthesizers. <laughs> Chicago, <laughs> the vicious circle. <laughs> bum, 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 bum. Sorry. All right. We're going to move forward now. Right. All right. No one wants to hear me sing, let's be honest. <laughs> Probably no one wants to hear me talk either, but I'm going to anyway. <laughs> you don't Last, uh, <laughs> what's that? Don't be so hard on yourself. <laughs> Last episode's uh, question uh, was, Eric Larson drew Spider-Man and uh, Marvel's Daredevil side by side in two books. Name them. Did you guys know this at all? Uh I before the questions came nope, in. Nope, not Abby. Could not even Google it. Let's see. We got two. We got two answers. We got two letters in. So we got. Let's see. Guy Lemay. He wrote in. Hello, Fincast. Okay, this one took me a while to figure out. I had Amazing Spider-Man 287 right off the bat because I love that issue, but I couldn't remember where else Larson drew Spider-Man and Daredevil together. But after a look back through some old issues, I found it. It's Amazing Spider-Man 350. Um, he goes on to say, have a good one, and I'll keep listening as long as you don't make us count all the hidden John days. Ooh. I mean, yeah. <laughs> so uh, he's absolutely right. Those are the two uh, things that... I had uh, two issues I had in mind, Spider-Man 287 and uh, Spider-Man 350. 287 was an actual story with Daredevil and Spider-Man, and Amazing Spider-Man 350 was actually them two or those two were featured together in a pinup in the back. So it was kind of a little bit, bit of a trick question because they weren't both complete stories, but um, that was it. Um, our second letter came from uh, Michelle Fife, who is, you know, a friend of the show. Um, he went on to say, number one, Eric's first pro crack at Webhead, which was Amazing Spider-Man 287, black costume version. So he got that, and then he got the pinup in Amazing Spider-Man 350. And then he goes on to say, um, the third guest doesn't have them technically next to one another, but they're in the same quote room and he goes on to name the cover of marvel comics presents number 50 and he says daredevil's next to the lower corner box with a red stripe over his over the small crappy version uh another great episode keeps me going when i need to sit and ink another page and we know that uh he's hard at work on his copra uh creator own comic which is pretty damn awesome um, and he's right about the cover of Marvel Comics Presents. I wasn't even thinking about that. And you guys remember what that cover looks like? Yeah. Yeah, it's like a bunch of inked drawings, and the ones that appear in the issue are colored. Yeah, and everything else is, yeah. Like, just, yeah. It's like all red lines, that right? Is, it's, yeah, it's, I think it's, is it blue or red? I don't remember. I don't know. I don't But I, I had, um, one of my best friends growing up had... The poster version of that cover, of that wraparound cover, it was a wraparound cover from Marvel Comics Presents 50. Yes. And like you said, like you said, Jim, it was like, you know, Marvel. For for those who might be uh, too young to remember, Marvel Comics Presents always had like 
three or four different stories um, featuring different characters by like up and comers. And this cover had just like a whole slew of Marvel characters. Like the whole, it was like a Marvel universe cover. I, I want to say it was cover. every character that had uh, headlined a story up to that point. Yeah, I think you might be right. And uh, the guys that were actually in that issue were colored, and I think the rest of the guys were like blue lined or something like that. I don't remember completely. But my, uh, moving on, my my uh, really good friend had the poster of this, and he used to just sit when I go to when I went to his house. I used to just stare at that thing and just be like, oh, I just wanted that that poster so bad. It was so awesome, and the poster, <laughs> everything was fully colored. So uh, really? it was just so neat, and it was just cool to see Eric's version of all these like characters, you know. I mean, don't forget, probably when that came out, it, he was doing Marvel Comics Presents, and then he moved on to Amazing Spider-Man. So, you know, you didn't really, you didn't see him draw all these characters. It was mostly like Spider-Man and his villains. So to see a whole like poster full of, or or wraparound comic cover of all these guys was was pretty neat. But anyway, that was something that really stuck with me in my youth of you know collecting comics was that that one poster. So that's cool that that uh, it was mentioned. Um, bonus points. So anyway, yeah, bonus points. But what I did was I flipped a coin based on the two entries because they both answered correctly, and guy won the coin toss. So we'll have to go into the vault and pull out something to to send him. For uh, guessing the correct answer, not sure what it's going to be yet, but it will be something, hopefully Savage Dragon related. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, guy, if you're listening to this, send us your uh, contact information. We can send you out something. It won't be dung. It will be, yeah, official dung. <laughs> official dung's dung. Seven. Didn't we already make this joke up? <laughs> Did didn't we? we? Didn't we already? T- I don't know. We said something to that effect. Oh, you were gonna wrap up a piece of poo or something and send it. <laughs> <laughs> send your raven's head in a box. How that? There sound? you go. It's got to be worth something to like a scientist. There's organs in there, right? Eyes, brains, ear parts. If you say so. Your head's got organs. I don't know about your head. <laughs> All right. What about the other trivia question? Don't you have something uh, you yes, want to yes, ask yes. people? So, yeah, this episode's question. You guys ready? At the 2004 Wizard World Chicago convention, Eric Larson was giving away a limited edition promotional item to promote the, quote, Savage Dragon for President story arc. What was the promotional item? So uh, this was something that was only available at Wizard World Chicago. It was promoting that Savage Dragon for for President story, which you know remembered that it's when we first saw Ronald Winston, your ass, and uh, this kind of question is related to this episode because we'll see him when we talk about 189. But if you guys know, uh, send your responses to savagefincast at gmail.com. And uh, we'll sing your praises on the next episode of the FinCast. Um, so, yeah, that, that does it for our uh, trivia segment. Was it a stained blue dress? <laughs> can't believe it. No. I can't believe that was like 10 years ago now. What, the staining of yeah, the blue right. dress? No, 20, 2004. <laughs> if that had it hit pay dirt, 
if that had hit pay dirt, that kid could have been, you know, could have been a ten year old by now. Wait, what? It's Monica Lewinsky. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just let it, you know what? Repeat listens. That's that's like a little bonus extra for the folks. You'll get it one day. Moving right along. So should we get into the meat of this? Uh, yeah. Let's uh, do it. Savage Dragon 189. So this was um, hmm, an issue. <laughs> it was a barn burner. It was awesome. Yeah, you say it like you didn't like. Did you not like this issue? Um, Sorry, yeah. I'm making it sound like I'm just trying to be... Um, what, is caddy the right term? <laughs> I'm trying to, we got I'm, the I'm snobby to, host, to, the caddy I'm host. To, I'm trying to understate it. Oh. <laughs> you know. I'm going to yeah. go. I'm going to just step it right up and just say this issue blew my mind. I uh, I thoroughly enjoyed this. You know, who else's mind this got blown? <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to it. It blew a lot of minds, this issue. <laughs> so. First off, we'll get ro- that, that cover. Yes. Yes. It's the bomb. Yeah, it's um pretty neat. It's always fun to see when the logo gets like put into different positions. I want to say we've actually seen this like positioning of the logo before, back during like way back during the World Tour arc, or was it the image? It was during Solar Man and right. all the Golden Age heroes. Yeah, uh... right. We had all the Golden Age heroes on one side, and uh, was it? It was Dragon, right, on the other. Or was it? No, it was all the yeah. it was all the image heroes. It was Dragon, yeah. Invincible, and Spawn, and Witchblade, and I want to say it was it, the composition was very similar to this one, except for you could see all the Golden Age characters' faces. But anyway, right. I digress. Really cool to see the logo like just you know in a different position once in a while. And it's yeah. like and it's it like just... it's like the the opat. Uh, it's like it makes the logo like understated, so this looks more like a pinup, and it doesn't. The, yeah. the logo doesn't really dominate it. Yeah, that's perfectly yeah, I said. I agree. Uh, Eric's, I think, a master at you know drawing covers that just draw your eye to it, and with all you know the use of all this kind of white space, the long shadows, you know, your eyes go directly to like savage dragon and then you kind of look up and you just see you know the menacing you know which you picture as a bunch of prisoners ready to just beat the crap out of dragon and uh the color experiment is on the cover of this one too they're all flat and he's got shading yeah yep true very cool cool so you guys were uh, well well you guys remember when we were talking about the cover to what was it uh, 192 with a dragon being led to the electric chair with a priest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it, it it appears to be the the church of the dragon minister. Now I want to say Craig called that, didn't he? Yeah, I think he did. Good Cecil job, Detective. Parasol. Yeah. You know it. <laughs> Way to go, Super Sleuth. What now? Cecil hey, I Parasol. I I what recognize that bowl that? cut anywhere. Oh yeah. Look at that bowl cut. Who gets a bowl cut like that? That guy, that guy uses a floby to cut his hair. <laughs> oh god! I'm not, it's not sure a I know what a floby is. Tell him. You know what a floby is? Do you, do you know what a floby is, Raven? 
It is a if a vacuum cleaner and a razor <laughs> made love, sweet love, Floby would be their baby. You, you never saw those infomercials, probably in the nineties, and it was like, nah, you can cut your children's hair at home, and it was basically like, yeah, like you said, it was like a clipper connected to like you could connect to your like, you know, one of your canister vacuums or whatever, right, or something, or so, maybe so it was what, you maybe you couldn't connect it, maybe it was, it was just like a piece. Doing the clipping? It yeah, sucks. Well, yeah, it pulled pulls. your hair up, like so you connected it to your head, and it just kind of like pulled on your head, like like a vacuum, like it would make your hair stand up, and then it would clip it as your hair was standing up, and then like everyone in the commercial just had like a bowl cut. It was absolutely <laughs> horrendous, and one probably the worst inventions ever made. <laughs> wow, no, I don't Look remember that one. Look it, it up. It even had a Wayne's World sketch. Did it? Did it? I don't even remember. The guy tells Garth he's trying to like he's like it sucks while it cuts and Garth goes it certainly sucks <laughs> and then his hair goes in and he's like ah because it's about to cut his hair oh man it was a bowl cutting machine yeah yeah so look it up what made you I'm just gonna I'm curious what made you think that was him well I think it just made sense ultimately based on. Yeah, foreshadowing. All right, I didn't. No, I, didn't see, I mean, I didn't see it coming. It shocked me. I was like, <gasps> "What? That it was Cecil Parasol?" On yeah, the cover? I didn't. I didn't know it was him. That's in the cover, pretty clear. I swear it is. I guess I didn't know what Cecil Parasol looked at. What other issues he been yeah, in? Yeah, he's been in like one page previously. Oh okay. no, uh, no, yeah, he, he hasn't. Was, he's that, been that pulpit page during the uh, the, was it not the trial, but. Been three or four issues. He was on that. He was on that. But then he was also on like in the crowd when when people were like down with Savage Dragon. Wasn't that in the issue before this or two issues before this? Could have been. I may not have been. He's made a few. He's been on a few. I swear. Anyway, moving right along. My bad. Didn't mean to derail things. I was shocked is all. Well, brought brought in a good conversation about. Floby, so <laughs> Wayne's World is definitely worth it. One thing that uh, this first page, which uh, I got, uh, I was pretty happy to see, was uh, Dragon with his beard, which is like you know we haven't seen that in how you know how many issues since he was in space maybe, yeah. and uh, and now his beard's gray, which brought me back to do you guys remember and the listeners out there. If you guys were on Eric's Facebook or on Twitter, wasn't it like, you know, maybe three months ago when Eric grew his beard out? I am so glad you said that because I felt psychotic for thinking it. I, I, I was... it maybe I am psychotic, but I, I think that Eric grew his beard out to see what it would look like. So he knew how to color the beard on Dragon. So if it came back out gray, he was like, hmm, Dragon's beard should be gray. <laughs> well, that was like no, no shave November. Which is an yeah. actual like that's the you know, secular weird. holiday. It's I don't know why it exists, but it is a thing. Like Shark and Week. I thought it was weird that he was participating in No Shave November, but it could have been Dragon Research. But well, I isn't thought... he kind of he's kind of like Eric's made him Dragon like pretty close to his age, right? I and think so. I'm reading this. I'm like, hmm, his beard's gray. You know, Eric grew his beard. It would be a good question for Eric. You know, if we can get him on. Be like, was No Shave November practice for this issue? (laughs) 
No, I, I, that, it's so funny. I'm so glad you said that because I felt insane. I really, it was a secret I was going to take to my grave that I thought that. But I was, <laughs> I was like, when I saw that, that Dragon's beard was gray, I was like, huh, I wonder if that was inspired by real life. Because I think he even said, he was like, yeah, you know, last time I had a beard, it wasn't gray. Yeah, yeah. It didn't look like this. And people were like, you look like John Byrne. <laughs> Everybody was busting his chops over that beard. Yeah. So, yeah, that was my first thought when I saw this, because I think last time we saw Dragon with the beard was when he was in space and the God Land thing, and I'm pretty sure his beard was pretty dark. Definitely not gray, a but gray it is cool beard, to see. Like, a gray beard just ages, like anyone, like so much. It, it's, like, uh, really shocking. So when you see, like, you know, Dragon with the gray beard, it's like, whoa. <laughs> it really drives him. Well, it, in that first panel, though, he still looks like a badass. Oh, yeah. Well, beards are pretty yeah. cool. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I always liked that about Dragon. I wish that Eric did that more or at least showed him shaving more or at least, you know, it was like for a while. like Wasn't that kinda beard after, in, like, issue number three of the miniseries enough <laughs> yeah, oh, wasn't it on the cover of like the the first issue of the regular se- uh, series too? Yeah, he had a motor. But, he had the uh, handlebar mustache for a minute. Yeah, but I thought it was kind of neat. It kind of made him more of an average Joe guy. And then I think Eric kind of just got rid of it after like the Savage World, and of all places, the Savage World, where you're like running around, scurrying from like you know, squat, squatter house to squatter house to survive. And like through that whole like story arc, you know, uh, dragon's face is like as you know, soft as a baby's ass, which I didn't understand. But he'll, I he'll think it was just, factor. yeah, <laughs> but I always kind of, I, I didn't like, you know, I definitely wouldn't want dragon to be walking around with a beard all the time, but it was kind of a cool touch that every once in a while, you know, when he was kind of laid up or beat up his face and lets it grow back. <laughs> That's how he shaves on the run. Healing factor just comes right in. But yeah, so anyway, it was. It, I thought it was pretty cool to see the beard back. Like he just doesn't give a shit anymore. Yeah, they don't give you razors in prison. Yeah, he might hurt some. He might hurt himself. He looks grizzled, and I think it's it's adds to his like. Uh, I guess kind of he's in a position right now in life where, you know, life's shitting on him pretty bad. And uh, the beard really adds to that. So it's a good call. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Ah, oh, Cecil, you loser. <laughs> that, hand, that panel of him, like, but you inspire people. He couldn't look more doofy. <laughs> You're still saving lives. So whiny. Shut up, man child. Shut up, Floby. <laughs> anyway. Um, so, was I the only one who thought that Frank owned this convenience store for some reason? You're talking about, so the I, next scene where Malcolm confronts Frank? Yeah. I, I didn't. I didn't think No, that. I didn't. Because so. rereading it, I realize now he's just a stock boy. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was part of, like, meant to make him look more pathetic. Yeah, I, I kind of, re- I, just uh, immediately I thought that he'd, like, gone into the green grocer business. <laughs> well, my life's over. Time to become a grocer. <laughs> but that doesn't make any sense. He doesn't have any money to start his own business. 
<laughs> nah, he's pretty much a stock boy. Did you guys notice the poo wipe in the background? I did. When you really got a poo, poo wipe. <laughs> that's, a, what, that's what Frank must have been stalking when Malcolm was talking to him. This is my life. <laughs> stalking poo wipe. <laughs> For the listeners, they're like, what the hell are these guys talking about? And it's just, you know, if you look in the background on the shelves, there's definitely toilet paper called poo wipe sitting there. And being as juvenile as we are, we had to point that out. We love it. It's fantastic. It's a great touch. And it's a running gag, too, isn't it? Isn't poo wipe a running gag? Yeah, you get that newspaper article when you really got to poop. Yeah, so the first time we've seen the rolls stacked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Usually one's outside. So, so Malcolm gives Frank Jr. some cash. Now, is where is Malcolm getting his money? Remind me, is he getting paid by the police force, or is what is I what's going on? I want to say, being a semi-celebrity, he gets like advances for like talk shows or something. Okay. Or something along those lines, because being right. semi-famous. I felt like it was from Frank's mom. That's possible. Oh, okay, yeah. Like you know, here's some money, because it kind of Frank seems like maybe he's not on talking basis with his family anymore or he's too proud to take the money he wants to support his family on his own how how how, um malcolm gets by is sort of the kind of a question mark in general i mean it um i suppose um mrs darling must collect pension from her husband yeah, yeah, at this I, point, he still lives in her house, right? And right. he's still going to high school, so I assume that she just takes care of him. Yeah, I thought he was just like a student. Just like he lives, just like a student lives, only fights crime sometimes. So you're probably right. The cash is probably like allowance or whatever extra money he's made in appearances or whatever. I'm not actually sure what Malcolm's uh, status with the police force is right now. Is if, if he's just a vigilante or if he's condoned by the police or actually called by the police, it's a bit, I don't know, undefined. Seems like he gets right. calls. It's more like a desperation call, like, we've exhausted all of our resources, come punch this guy. He is 16, right. after all, I guess. Yep. Yeah, totally. It, it's it's a little weird gray area, and it's kind of, I just chalk it up to being comics. But. Yeah. He comes in and beats the crap out of the guy for the cops. I mean, obviously, that probably wouldn't ever work in the real world, but we're talking about super-powered guys with fins on their heads. So. It's unfortunate that it doesn't get more, I don't know, examination, because in the early days of the comic, Dragon had a lot of issues with, like, police brutality complaints or, like, proce- some you know procedure complaints. Basically, he wouldn't, like... He'd, he'd punch yeah, he'd first, rough guys up, rough and, guys yeah. up a little too much, and basically it was a big issue and like played into the plot line sometimes. And I found that all fairly interesting, but it meant it meant that Dragon's role was clearly defined. I mean, he was a he was a cop brought in as kind of a a solution to this like all encompassing problem, but it became in it in itself another problem. I don't know. I just found all that very interesting in the early days, and it just seems kind of glossed like over. Like using excessive force. Excessive force. That's what the way I was thinking of. Yeah. 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 That's yeah. A, Malcolm is a bit of a sort of a freelance kind of a guy. Maybe they're just more used to superheroes now. Twenty yeah. years later. I mean, it's a it's different than when it started. 
when it started, Dragon was, you know, Chicago's hope or whatever. And now Chicago has, like, you know, it had practically... Chicago's been burned to the ground how many times and <laughs> giant flying monsters fly over it now and you got the danger zone. And so you got to figure, you know, it's just not... Overlord is like the only bad guy, and you got this rogue gang, you know, or or mafia. It's you know, worldwide threats. It's a whole different world. (laughs) Yeah, the cosmic cops. (laughs) Ah, lordy. Anyway, let's uh, let's move on to this uh, next scene where. uh, we see who at first we think is Jennifer. Jennifer approach uh, Cyril and Ferris, also known as Animal and Bloop, which uh, is kind of an odd scene. Is it? I think so. I, you know, it's. All right, for, let's let's just describe the scene. It's, and and the issue before. Two issues ago. They come. Or was it two issues? Yeah, ago? Last, two issues ago. They walk into the house. And they find her asleep in their bed, kind of like a three bears scenario or something like that. You know, like, <laughs> whoa, who's this? And then animal. My, yeah. My big, so so it comes out that Jennifer is the sister to Animal and Blue. Yes. And I just, I can't wrap my head around that because how come it's never discussed in any of the previous issues like you never hear jennifer be like oh dragon by the way you know those two goons in the vicious circle you're beating up are my brothers you know or you never hear animal and bloop say to dragon like oh you're you know you're you know you're married our sister or whatever you know it's just never mentioned you would think it would be mentioned they weren't at the wedding and now what's that they weren't at the wedding wedding. (laughs) you would think at some point it would be mentioned that you know but Jennifer's related to two vicious circle goons. But Animal and Bloop are like background noise. They rarely right. have a role that is anything more than a cameo. I guess. Yeah, I gotta I, be honest that like when I first saw them, I thought they were new characters. I realized they looked familiar, but like that's how unimportant they are in my brain. Like, I was just like, nah, who are these guys? Which makes oh. me think, like, why even bother, like, bring that scenario in? You know what I mean? It's, I'll admit that it was kind of a thing I didn't quite follow, like, the Wildstar thing. When you guys were talking about, like, their whole, like, familial ties and everything, back when the appearance first happened, I was sort of like, eh, you know, whatever. But, uh, I don't know, it, it didn't bother me. But I could see where if you were more, like, you know, dialed in, it would be really standout and strange. It just – I guess that's the one – it just bothers me that it was never meant – like, it's just mentioned now after the fact. And it's like – it's just weird to me. It just seems off. I don't know why. Well, I think someone on the the forum brought up that at some point Animal and Bloop were working with Overlord after Overlord had allegedly killed – uh, Jennifer, in the original yeah. in the original Image Universe timeline, I guess, and yeah. that there was question marks about why they'd be working with Overlord in that situation. And I guess there's some you know there's some mental gymnastics you can do to explain it, like they were mind controlled or they didn't know or they're career criminals and don't care. 
I mean, there's all yeah. there's, there's there's ways that you can rationalize things, but the reality is these characters were brothers and sisters in the old days before Image Comics version of Savage Dragon, and this is just like a continuity nod to that. As kind yeah, I understand that, but it, again, it's like why force it? Why force it? That's a good question. I, I, yeah. I, I, I that's I fine. Feeling, I mean, I, I have a feeling that what this scene is really about is, um, uh, what's his name? Does he have a name yet? Barry. Barry. The little kid, Barry Dark, Dragon. Dark Dragon's kid. That, that, that. This is moving Dark Dragon's kid's plot along. Yeah. Because. Well, and I think it's closure for these characters. You know, Animal and Bloop. Now, as you see, as the scene goes on, you'll see there's closure kind of for them, and maybe because they are long time characters that Eric had created before, you know, Dragon was even a series. Maybe that's part of it, but again, it just seems especially, you know, for somebody like I'm I'm thinking of, you know, maybe someone that just started reading 40 issues ago, it's like you got to be really confused at this part. Well, I mean, it's 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 um well, of course Jennifer's turned up. She has this Dragon kid with her. And Animal and Bloop are confused because Jennifer's supposed to be dead, and she certainly never had a kid with Dragon. And then, of right. course, Battle Axe turns up, and right. she's pissed because this woman has her kid. And of course, now that we've seen the kid, well, it, it's a little bit later, but it turns out that Jennifer's, of course, mutation who I figured was the case from the beginning because Jennifer's dead. <laughs> right. Well, and Mutation grabbed Barry. Remember, she posed... Because Mutation can shapeshift, and she posed as She-Dragon, I believe, to look through the police files to find Barry while... while uh, um, what's her name? What's the blue lady's name? Battle, Battle Axe. Axe. While Battle Axe was incarcerated. So I believe that's how it went. Yeah, yeah. Well, she didn't so much so, impersonate She Dragon; she he impersonated Amy. Yeah, who was yeah, depowered exactly. at the time. Right. But right. anyway, same difference. So instead of I, I know this scene kind of skips back and forth, so let's just talk about this whole scene as like one thing. So, so then you have Battle Axe come and she caps who at the time we think is Jennifer in the face turns out to be Mutation. And Mutation and Battle Axe are just uh, uh, battling each other. And what happens is out of the shadows comes uh, Negate and touches Mutation. And what we see is Mutation's actually two people. It's... Uh, it's... Uh, Helen Black right. and Gertie Funt. And we know from, you know, back in, you know, the early days of Savage Dragon that Gertie Funt was Jennifer's uh, best friend. And she's kind of, it comes out in this issue, jealous of Jennifer because Jennifer has got everything or had everything, like good looks, a celebrity husband, blah, blah, blah. And she also blamed Dragon for Jennifer's death. And then we know Helen Black from turns out her backstory i believe was she was a one of the survivors from the arachnid attack back in the early was it the miniseries 
Savage Dragon when when he was like Arachnid was grabbing all sorts of little kids. Apparently, she was one of the little kids, and she was saved when uh, when Eric uh, you know grabbed Arachnid, and then she's it's been, been a, twenty years, right? So, I mean, yeah, twenty years. So, apparently, I mean, you never saw it in the scene, but I guess she was like under the corpses of kids or something it was mentioned somewhere i believe i can't remember i could be wrong um and she's been infatuated with dragon so both helen black and gertie Funt, both you know helen black wants to be by dragon's side kind of like a she dragon scenario she's just infatuated with him and gertie Funt has different reasons for wanting to get close to dragon to i guess eventually kill him Right. So they make a pack with the power broker, who I guess combines both of them into one being. And Which I is, guess their consciousness was both locked into this one body, and they were fighting for control. That does explain why she was seemed to be so erratic, at times as mutation. Yeah. yeah. But also, I'm trying to remember. Did, didn't mutation disguise herself as Helen Black? For a time, as a way to like. Well, I yeah, I it. think that sh- I think they could just she could shift into whatever body she wanted to. So I think when Helen got control, she could shift into her body if she wanted. You know what I mean? Right, but I'm I'm saying that remember way back in that there was a free comic book day issue, and one of the stories was Savage Dragon bit that had yep. the character Dragon driving around with Helen Black, mm-hmm. and basically Dragon was wasn't sure if Jennifer was alive or dead at the time, and either he made a pass at her or Helen made it seem like he did. And so she flipped out and just started beating the hell out of him. Yeah. She let him on. You're remembering right. Yep. She let him on and he took the bait. Right. And it was, it was a test and he failed. Right. (laughs) So that could have been like Gertie taking over the Jennifer person. See, that's, that's what I'm thinking is, was the case at the time. Yeah. Is that right? She was using Helen Black's form to like mess with dragon and justify your actions. Right, right. So you, you get negate, touching mutation, separates mutation back into the original forms of Helen Black and Gertie. And, you know, it, it's apparent that Gertie was the one that wanted to steal Barry and have her own little savage dragon kid. <laughs> and then uh, Battle Axe basically rips her in half and i'm kind of skipping i'm kind of treating this scene as one scene so it's just easier to talk about but this scene kind of skips all around the issue it it keeps flashing it keeps going back to the scene and so now gertie's dead helen black's just sitting there and she kind of explains everything on how they came to be mutation which is interesting i mean i'm a little disappointed that basically mutation has been taken off the table because I found her to be an interesting um, antagonist, uh-huh. but um, I can see why. And uh, right, I- I'm more interested in why Negate was there. He just wandered in. Well, I, I really don't know. Well, I think why this is what happened. There. I think this is what happened. I think you got. I think you got the scene where. You know, two episodes ago, Jennifer shows up. Uh, in their bed, and I think now we get to in in a in their house in Animal Loop's house and in their bed, and then you get into this episode, which apparently is you know some time later because she's no longer in bed. So I get the the I 
in my head, you know, they placed a call to negate and be like, hey, get over here. We're not, we don't think this is our sister. You know, let's, let's check this out and see if, you know, it's some kind of imposter. I don't know. That's how I explain it in my head. That's how it rolled in the Q&A, according to Eric. Uh, Russ Berlingame asked him the same thing, and he t- said that time had passed. So, you know, Dragon rolls by in real time. I'm assuming two months have passed. So they've had her in their apartment for a bit before they have negate. Because you could see when the scene opens, they're sort of calling her out. I mean, yeah. on, on everything not adding up with her story. And then once she's outed, you know, the first thing he says is, see, it's just like I thought. She's not our sister. So negate being there, it seems weird. But I think it's exactly like you said. He was there to sort of help deal with this situation because <laughs> they knew something was wrong. Yeah. Okay. I want to uh, I want to take this time to call out Eric on a hilarious tangent issue. If you look at the page for the listeners, look at the page where negate touches mutation. It's the one that's, you know, mutations. If you look at the panel where it's the, the top right-hand corner of the panel is mutation. Uh, I, I'm sorry, uh, negate with his hand up. You guys on that page? Yes. Mm-hmm. Look at the panel below it, and it's the rest of negate's body, and it just looks like a giant <laughs> oh. head on a small body. Yep. Bobblehead negate, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> true enough, true enough. thought that was pretty hilarious. <laughs> yeah, somebody put the big head codes on negate. <laughs> so just to wrap up the Helen Black uh, scene, um, there's this bit towards the end where, uh, what is it, animals cle- quote-unquote cleaning up? <laughs> which uh, which which appears he's like crushing yeah uh gertie's head what's left of her is he like consuming her or like disintegrating her i, I guess i don't know what his powers are seemed to me like he was he's just... just a super strong dude and it's just funny it's like bloop is like hey uh don't clean up we can't and then it's animal just gush he just grabs that i guess it was her head that can't be anything else just totally crushes it how does crushing the head clean up the mess though i I guess it's just (laughs) who knows maybe he's compressing her down to like (laughs) i like yeah i like that like he was like don't clean up and then you just see like a blood like you know like her head just plopping i was sort of confused on that dialogue myself and then like helen black has no reaction just she just keeps going with her story (laughs) are you done i want to continue my story the nightmare's over you know well, they get, like you said, though, closure. I mean, you know, if you needed closure for Bloop and Animal, here it is. I wonder if this is closure for Negate. This uh, just is another part of the uh, reboot, the soft reboot, you know, wrapping up all the loose threads, you know, as much as they can. You know, like you said, Jim, taking cards off the table. Right. It is so. interesting. This does sort of reintroduce Negate. And I wonder if that's going to be relevant come leading up to the execution. Yeah. You never know. He yeah. could be out of the book. It could be reintroducing him. <laughs> but um, yeah, and it, it's an it's an interesting little bit, especially concerning you know mutations' actual origins. 
I got to tell you the truth. I learned way the hell more about Bloop and Animal than I thought. <laughs> I was like, Bloop and Animal, it's just so weird that they were like, you know, part of this whole thing. But I did like to see, you know, Battleaxe be involved in that. And, you know, I don't know. It was, it was cool. As weird as it was, I was okay with it. Because I didn't feel like I had to really know their whole, like, family ties or whatever. It just didn't, since especially since it didn't really pan out for her anyway. I was like, eh, well, you know, screw it. It got introduced. It was kind of a weird thing, but it got wrapped up real quick too. Yeah, yeah. So let's uh, let's go back and now uh, talk about the scenes with uh, Dragon in jail. If uh, or we can kind of skip around as the scenes go now that we kind of got the the mutation uh, scene out of the way. Your but, ass in prison. Yeah. Good one. There's this... <laughs> your ass is just kind of like taunting Dragon. Just basically like, you know, you're going to die in prison. And, uh, you know, he's just talking about... He, he's, does, he tells... At one point he tells Dragon he's... He mentions he's Dragon's greatest foe or something. How does he say? He's just like... You know, you're gonna die from your greatest foe ever, or something like that. He yeah. basically acts like he like, oh, I orchestrated all this. Yeah, <laughs> is a and your greatest foe will have killed you at last. And I like how Dragon's like, don't flatter yourself. You know, there's a hundred guys in this place who are a lot higher up on the greatest foes list than you. It's just total classic Dragon. He's got the last snarky remark, and you know that he's second so, last he, panel. He's so self-aware. <laughs> yeah. And I like how he's like, you know, I, I know how things work here. You know, I'll be sitting on death row for decades. And he's like telling uh, Ronald, he's like, you know, you're an old man. You'll, you'll, you know, I'll be around long after you kick the bucket. You know, he's and, all, Grr! yeah, you just see uh, your ass just shaking his fist like, God damn it. <laughs> Why you? But I, uh, I love the dialogue from uh, this whole this whole issue, Dragon's dialogue, has just been on point. It's that classic, like, snarky, you know, Dragon dialogue that I just love. When when Eric gets in a groove sometimes, Dragon, just like, his witty remarks are just hilarious. Yeah, it's definitely classic Dragon moments. I mean, like... Every bit in this was just classic dragon. Like every little, we'll get you know more as they go, but just like this was such a great issue for him, especially since you know, you know, as the book moves towards Malcolm, he's not been in it so much lately. You know. Well, I we have we've had you know issues upon issues with you know him as Kerr or you know whatever, where it wasn't really dragon, like. Might be a dragon's body, but it wasn't really dragon. So we really haven't had a good chunk of issues to really absorb of like, you know, classic dragon. Right, and this is like the first chance we've gotten where dragon can like sort of re-engage in his old life. Yeah, like dealing with his his old, um, you know, his old rogues gallery, I guess. Because, you know, he's been on trial, he's been in space, he's been dead. But now he's back on Earth in the middle of all these guys. So you get a chance for him to, you know, really, you know, get back into his old groove, I guess. 
Yeah, just right. him versus some ugly freaks. Well, I've been waiting for this one scene since I saw the cover of this and knew that, you know, knew the direction this book was going in with, with Dragon in jail. I've just been waiting for the scene where it's like a group of vicious circle goons being like, yeah, we're going to get you now, Dragon. And uh, we get that scene and we get a bunch of familiar baddies. You know, they're not maybe not the classic baddies from like, you know, early, early Savage Dragon, but definitely guys we've seen sprinkled throughout. Yeah. And uh, I wrote a list. Yeah, I wrote a list of the guys just so uh, the listeners can kind of listen along and you, know, let, you can let, look them up on the wiki. Crack at, let me take a crack at guessing some of these guys because I don't know the okay. names. All right, we got Pucker, who I think we've seen recently. And yep. then, this guy, is he Metal Mouth? Uh, no, Iron Jaw. Oh. Close. You're in the neighborhood. Dickhead. Yep. The guy with the split in his forehead. <laughs> no, no, that's a uh, tumor. I'm not sure you want to keep guessing, or you want me to go on? Is it like the guy with the crossover's eye? I got nothing. That cross eye. Of course. <laughs> of course. Well, why not? And how about a random butt ugly looking guy, number six? It's either there's with with a with the, with the ugly, wing, winged ears. That's ugly Johnny. <laughs> and then also uh, Beelzebub is in there. On the scene, like for that first scene, it's Cross Eye, Iron Joggly, Johnny, Pucker, and Tumor. And then, uh, you know, it's got some classic, uh, I don't know if you want to go through this whole thing, but this, I think it's worth it just to talk about this scene. I, I love how he's like, you know, he's walking in, and Dragon's walking in jail, so this group of five or six of these guys come up and like, where do where you think you're going, green skin? Yeah. Isn't this the way to the pool hall? You're looking for a world of hurt, old man, and it's just something funny. You know, is it, Dragon comes back and basically paraphrasing, it's like, you know, it's something to consider. I've already been convicted of murder, and I'm slated to sit on the hot seat. So basically, you know, you screw with me, and he's just gonna like destroy these guys. So he's like, do yourself a favor and keep walking, and then that's when you see Cross Eye kind of jump and try to tackle Dragon from behind. You get the next scene. We, we kind of sk- <laughs> skips to another scene and then skips back to the jail scene. And it's just, you know, with such ease, Dragon just points his index finger up and catches Cross Eye in the mouth, like underneath the chin. His finger just pokes up through his chin. I mean, I'm re- I'm sure everyone that's listening to this podcast has, has read the issue, so I don't really have to explain it in such detail. But it's just hilarious how he takes that's all these guys out. That's just a hilarious moment. When he just, like, the way, like you said, he's, like, even he's, like, delivering a one-liner. He's, like, and action. You know, just poking his finger up. Like, it's such a Catches the guy in the jaw and just flips him over his shoulder. Grabs Uh, ugly Johnny, the guy with the fin ears. Bites his ear off. Pulls a Tyson. Spits it into the... What's that? Pulls a Tyson. Yeah, pulls a Mike Tyson. (laughs) Bites his ear off. Spits it into the iron jaw guy's mouth. That guy's choke. Yeah, that guy's choking. Ugly Johnny's holding his face; it's bleeding. You know, I don't, I don't know in that scene if it's. I think another guy's getting thrown into another guy or something, but it's just hilarious, and it's just like, it's basically dragging like, up. Oh, we're gonna do this, aren't we?" And he's just going at it. But as the scene goes on, again, it kind of skips around and goes to different scenes. But more and more, we see more and more vicious circle guys. We start seeing. Uh, we see Doubleheader, 
we see uh, Yellow Trevor, which last time we saw him was in the you know the the um, gang war story arc. We see uh, Charlie Triumph, who kind of is a Luke Cage black guy looking guy. Um, Bighorn, White Trash, and Blue Demon all kind of join the fray, and then eventually you see he's just dragons just getting outnumbered. But um. You know, I don't know if you guys want to talk about the other scenes in between before we conclude the the prison yeah, see, fight yeah, scene, or if you want to just finish we it can off. Even roll, we can even just roll in a sequence if you want, just like with this whole prison thing. Because, I mean, you know, we've been rolling out a sequence for this yeah, whole yeah, thing, yeah. so that's fine. Yeah. We should, I, I should probably bring up, I kind of like how this this issue jumps around a lot. So, like, there's oh, yeah. three yeah. or four different, you know, things going on, and it, like, bounces between them, like, every two pages. Two or three I pages. Yeah. It's actually hard to tell which is the A plot and which are the B plots, and I think it's meant to like be they're all A plots. It's all yeah. important stuff going on. Definitely. Yeah, really, it really is. I mean, because you got at this point you got two main characters. You got Malcolm and you got Dragon. So. Right. And then you got some of these subplots, which is you know wrapping up the whole uh, mutation thing. But. So I've said it once. Everything is pretty relevant feel like I say it every podcast now, but this book is at its best when it's got all those plates spinning. When you get all these things going on, that's when it's the best. And I love yeah. this issue for that. Absolutely. It doesn't give you a chance to catch your breath because you're like, you're in the middle of the scene and there's someone getting the crap beat out of them and then it flips and it might be maybe one page of dialogue where Malcolm's talking to, you know, either thunderhead or maxine but it lasts one page and then you flip it and it's like you know dart chopping up someone with a sword or dragon getting his you know ass beat in prison or whatever but i love the pacing it's a, it's a great issue for pacing absolutely yeah i feel like uh this book has one of the like most kick-ass I mean, uh, you know, admittedly, my comic reading has gone down a lot here lately. But, like, just by contrast, the only other book I've got right now, Walking Dead, like, the pace difference between that. Like, there's so much talking, and sometimes yeah. you're just like, ah, what really happened this episode, this issue? I just, you know, could I really say anything huge happened? And that's not knocking that book. I'm just saying it's a difference in pacing that Savage Dragon has a breakneck pace. Uh, Invincible does too. That's also from Kirkman. And I, again, Invincible is best when it's got like a ton of things going on. So yeah, and like Jim said, there's not characters really, there's not stuff going on that you don't care about too much. Right, right. I think that's why Bloop and Animal threw people. Why, because you don't care? Yeah, well that's exactly it. Like who do you care about in that scene? Jennifer more than them. That's true. So when it plays out that it's like, ooh, it's mutation, I'm sure most people are like, huh? Right. So just to close off the the dragon prison scene before we get to the last scene, it just ends up with basically everyone's kind of piled up on dragon. He's just getting his ass beat. You know, you see this one guy's like, nice effort, old man, but this is a young man's game. And then you see the sound effect, you hear the sound effect crack. So you imagine, you know, some bone on Dragon just got broken. And 
as the panels go by, it's just all these guys are just on top of dragon, and it's just kind of blood splatter flying around. Is this is this so. this green guy new? I don't know. I don't know if I've ever seen him. I'm not sure. He's badass looking. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk about all, like, the couple of little dialogue scenes that that Malcolm has that kind of go back and forth during this whole prison fight. Especially, um, you know, we see the one where Malcolm visits uh, Thunderhead in uh, the Hillman Hospital. And, uh, you know... If we remember the claw, kind of. I don't know if he can't remember if he stepped or if he punched Thunderhead when he was a giant, and uh, we're told that his spine is broken or something to that effect, where he might not ever walk again. The doctors have said he will never walk again. And that's you know, and then but Thunderhead's like you know, doctors say a lot of things they're not always right. I think we'll see Thunderhead back in action. I don't think we will. No? No, I think uh, his shtick's going to be wheelchair-bound uh, super ba- super guy. Really? So? Yep. Well, that would be a bold move. We'll see. Like I said in the past, I really like the Thunderhead character. I like the, the look, because he just looks like a bad guy, but he's really kind of a good guy. And I like when you have characters like that that look one way but are actually really another way he, he just looks pure evil i mean he's a skeleton with fangs and glowing eyes you know it's it's uh it's cool that he's kind of got a good relationship with malcolm at least now yeah he also and, seems and, to, he seems to be um he takes responsibility yeah yeah and they're half brothers, which is another cool element to it, you know. Half brothers between dimensions. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I had wondered if because he is his half brother, if Malcolm's blood wouldn't kill him. You know how you know, Dragon for people who don't know, Savage right. Dragon blood when mixed with other people tends to kill them. It makes them explode because Savage Dragon has uh, such a powerful alien immune system or whatever that it, like, dominates and destroys whoever you put the blood in. Uh, but, you know, being that they have the same mom, you know, I want. I think it would. I think it would. You think it would kill him? Yeah, because maybe if his father was Dragon from another dimension, but he's basically... A human. His skull well, faces raptures, kid. He's he's human. Yeah, he's not Krylin or whatever. Although that's an interesting thought. I mean, Malcolm's Malcolm's half human. I don't Cho- know. Chosen one, but I he guess was born. It'd probably be too dicey to try. Yeah. I don't know. If I'd never walk again, I'd try it. <laughs> Screw it. Right. So then we get another little scene between uh, Malcolm and Maxine, which uh, are always fun. Maxine is rapidly becoming one of my favorite supporting characters. Yeah, I love any scene between these two is great. (laughs) Malcolm looks like a bum, and he's getting called out on it. But I love how he calls her out, because she's like, you know, you always wear the same clothes or whatever, but he's like, well, what about you? You look like Sailor Moon all the time. Fantastic! I love that they addressed it. I thought it was just going to go unaddressed. 
You gotta think, she's not in school anymore, so what is with her outfit? Yeah, I don't know. It is kind of funny. <laughs> Maybe she is a magical girl part-time. We just haven't found out yet. <laughs> Fighting evil by moonlight? That'd be awesome, actually. <laughs> I can dream. <laughs> well, Malcolm does like Speed Racer and apparently Sailor Moon, so, you know. Might be where his taste. I could see him being down with that. So, this is kind of like what we were talking about, though, where you get the police calling Malcolm. You, you hear Malcolm's end of the conversation. He's like, Yeah, uh huh. You can't stop her? Okay, I'll be right there. So, the cops are definitely calling Malcolm for assistance. Mm hmm. And I like his last night. Oh, is, is it okay if I wear these, uh, this to fight bad guys? <laughs> and then the next scene that you see him in. Where he's fighting, he's wearing different clothes. Yeah, you gotta think it wasn't okay. Like, <laughs> like the between panel things, like no, take the, <laughs> take those bum clothes off. You know, you know. Well, you know what's funny about this with the scene transition. He he goes out the door, and then we get to the scene with Dart. And yeah. think she's the one he's called about. But later you find out that's not the case. I think that was a clever bit of misdirection. Agreed. Cosine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Who the, is and this you know douchebag? <laughs> well. That's Warhawk. Uh, he is seen, a douchebag. He was, uh, he was a prominent member of the Annihilators back in the day. Which he showed up in a bunch of the early issues. And I think he showed up in the Deadly Duo, mini, the first miniseries. But... um. He was like one of Cyberface's right-hand men in the Annihilators. Um, what I didn't realize in this scene until like the third or fourth reading of this book, yeah, was that he's holding Frank Jr. He is. I just didn't put that together when I first read it. I got it. I got that it was him, which is nice because you don't see anything like you don't see her kill Frank Jr. or anything, but you gotta realize that Frank Jr has witnessed Dart massacre someone. <laughs> so that could go somewhere, or it could totally go. He, sh- you know he shall become the tomato. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, I like I like their interaction, too, because it gives you kind of like a sense that they're familiar with each other, and there's some history there. Like, you know, Dart's like, good old Warhawk, ever loyal lackey to firepower. You know, there's a new day dawning Warhawk, and he's like... You know, you're the new dot, right? The one that worked for Buster Justice when he was calling the shots. So there's a lot of mention of like back history of the vicious circle. I kind of like that. Old Buster, poor Buster him. Justice. Wasn't Buster Justice only in that one issue? <laughs> Didn't he get killed pretty quick? Well, his brother was killed, and then he took over. I feel like he got he greased killed. by New Overlord, right? Yeah, I believe so. You know, I think it was this scene that made me think that Frank Jr. owned the grocery store. Because why would Warhawk be roughing up the the um, stock boy? I don't know. I could well, see that. maybe maybe he's running the register or something. Who knows? Maybe or... maybe he's not as maybe Warhawk's about as uh, intelligent as a bag of bricks. <laughs> Look how he dresses. Well, yeah, it's, it's a either that or he's suit. yeah, either that or he's coming out of the the store with money or something it could be any scenario and he's just kind of throwing frank aside or 
maybe he's grabbing a bunch of apples and was like, I'm hungry. <laughs> yeah. Get out of here, stock boy. Well, you know, what's, another interesting thing about this scene is how Dart says uh, there's a new day dawning Warhawk and then Warhawk interrupts her. And then it turns out she was going to kill him the whole time. Because she ends her sentence with, uh, and you're not going to be part of it. Like, that's what she was going to yeah. say the whole time. I thought that was fairly funny. <laughs> There's a new day. You are not going to be part of it. Jump, jump, jump. Yeah. God sword's pretty awesome. Yeah, I got one little wonder. nitpicky that thing, thing that. One little nitpicky thing. It would have been cooler to have, like, that shack sound effect. On the, the, there's a panel where she, she's cutting up uh, Warhawk. It would have been cooler to see that sound effect repeated like three times, like shack, 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 because you see like three slices. Right. Yeah. Just a little nitpicky thing, anyway. Well, you know it's digital now, so they could fix it in the trade. <laughs> How are you guys finding like the new digital lettering and now that we're a couple issues into it? I'm going to be slightly honest. And and I sometimes overlook the sound effects now because it seems like they're smaller than they used to be. Yeah. I don't know. They just seem to like blend in more than they used to. Yeah, I agree. I, I think I'm totally down with the lettering. Yeah, lettering's fine. It, it looks great. The sound effects, again, and I've brought this up before, so I don't want to hound on it, but the sound effects look too clean. They look like stickers. Yeah, that's it. You know what it is? It's that thin line weight. Like on the crack or the shack yeah. or whatever, because I'm flipping yeah, yeah, open yeah. an old dragon issue, and when it is hand drawn, you just you know you kind of can't help but put your own line weight into it as you draw the sound effect. Yeah, yeah. And uh, these um, digital ones, they have just an extremely thin border. Yeah, Maybe. they're all pretty uniform too. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they all, like I said, they look like stickers. Like so you just take a sheet of them and just slap them on top of the panels or something. Yeah. I think but, uh, I'll agree with that. Yeah. The, the, I think to my eye, the, the dialogue is perfect. It's fine. I really have no problem yeah. with the dialogue, but I'm totally with you guys that uh, the sound effects look just a little too clean. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, again, it's because we've been spoiled with all the good stuff in the past. I'm not going to, like, bitch and moan about it if it makes the book come out on a monthly oh, basis. Yeah. I, the big thing is the lettering in that, to me, to my eye, that looks still looks fine now, you know. But anyway, we, uh, we didn't talk about the scene where uh, Battle Axe is running through the city and what we uh, figure... What we find out is what Malcolm was actually being called about. Right. As it's a cool panel where Battleaxe just kind of charging through the city, and I like how there's just a car, just like looks like it's just like getting knocked over by like you know her brute strength from just running right through it. Her and Barry. And then you see a John Day running in the background. <laughs> I, I gotta say, Malcolm's channeling his dad a little bit here, giving her the sass. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was going to point that out, too. I totally agree, and I like that. Whoa, 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 whoa! <laughs> Turns out it's not okay to destroy everything in your path. I know, right? <laughs> I'm as surprised as you are. Fantastic. Uh, you know, it is good. I, I think that, uh, you know, it's kind of cool to see him develop, because he wasn't always witty one-liner guy. And he's he's pretty... 
witty through this whole kind of uh, interaction with her. And Battleaxe is just a funny character because she's kind of like the claw. She's got that like old school dialogue. Yeah, she's from like she's from Dimension X. She doesn't know how to deal with society. Foolish <laughs> whelp. Still, still Knocking over vehicles is okay where she's from. <laughs> I love her fucking design. Battleaxe is one of the most awesome design characters. Like, she has a wicked design. The colors are great. The design yeah. is wicked. Like, she's got lightning bolts in her hair. Lightning bolts in her butt. Yeah, that too. Battleaxe. Accentuate. <laughs> but it's Little fantastic. blades on her. Yeah, it's just such a wicked character. And I like how like her her son Barry is pretty much the same size as like I remember Malcolm at one point, you know? Like yeah. he's not a baby anymore, he's kind of just like a little kid. Kind of <laughs> reminds me of like Malcolm, you know, in the like the late 90 uh skinny arms. <laughs> yeah, like issues the issues in the the 90s and stuff like that when he was still on like the original image uh, earth right i love that panel of him running away like she takes the big punch at malcolm choom and then at the very top like where you see like her it's her butt in the foreground and malcolm in the background but look at how barry is running away <laughs> it's yeah. hilarious it's like Wah! exactly exactly it's like ah! <laughs> uh, he's a sweet kid <laughs> don't kill him mommy <laughs> so so we get a major kind of uh i don't know what you want to call it but like a major situation type thing where this seems to happen to malcolm uh you remember it ha- you know this happened the same thing happened when he when he dealt with uh war and terror where he's trying to defend himself against uh you know a villain and he basically electrocutes the crap out of him and kills him so battle axe is you know on top of dragon and he just fries her um, and then of course, you know, Barry dragon stand there watching it all unfold and totally freaks out that Malcolm killed his mom. And I love that, you know, that the last panel of the scene, he's like, you know, when I'm bigger, I'm going to find you and kill you. You'll see. So that's like setting things up for, uh, Malcolm to have a major foe there in the future. Awesome. I gotta, got I gotta wonder if I remember correctly. Barry was conceived while Dark Dragon was uh, depowered, right? So presumably he doesn't have the Chosen One lineage like Dragon and Malcolm do. So I gotta wonder if he'll stay skinny his whole life. I don't know how that works. Guess we'll find out. You gotta think that his mom is powerful. Well, anyway. that's that's true. She is pretty powerful. So I mean, even if all he gets is his mom's strength. I mean, he might not have the healing factor, but he'd still have the killer strength. But, I mean, how does that work? Maybe, you know, he was depowered, but his genes still get passed on, so maybe the kid does have it. I don't, I don't know. know. I think I think the implication was when Dragon got negated was that his uh, his chosen one aspect was like a unnatural mutation of some kind, or at least a... Because he, he, kept, his, well, he kept his super strength, but he lost his regenerative ability... Yeah, I'm trying to remember the details. Definitely, the healing power is gone because I remember that was a huge concern. Jennifer was always like, "Oh, you're gonna go and get killed." Eh. Right. I never liked her, you know. So that's how I read all her dialogue. So let's uh, let's talk about this last page of this this yeah. book. 
which is one of the coolest pages in Savage Dragon history, you know, at least <laughs> recent history. Love it. You I get, love it. Uh, I love it when Dragon uses his strength in unconventional ways. Right. I mean, okay, here's your ass basically taunting him because Dragon's been beaten to a pulp and he's bleeding on the floor and and so he uses the only weapon he has left and that's one of his own teeth and he spits it through your ass's head. <laughs> I just love the dialogue too. It's like basically like, you know, your ass saying, I want you to get one thing through your thick skull, Dragon. I call the shots around here. I'm in charge. <laughs> it's just Dragon like, you know, he's all beat up and basically like a pile of mush and he's like i want you to get one thing through your thick skull and he just spits that freaking tooth right through his head and then that last panel of the <laughs> just laughing like just that shaky beat up like laugh like go to hell i just it's brutal it's 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 almost shocking in a way because yeah, basically kick- dragon just murdered this guy in cold yeah. blood as well and the and the yeah the laughing at the end I think is what seals it is that he's like laughing at his own wit. <laughs> yeah. Look at this pun that I managed to achieve in this spectacular fashion. <laughs> I no one was around to see. I absolutely love second to last panel on this last page with the tooth going through Ronald Winston Urass's head, and you can see the tooth. Like in the back of his head, like going through his head, like in the blood, you see the little like dark it's tooth. So awesome! <laughs> it's so great. I, I seriously have to wonder what ramifications this this is going to have on Dragon. It can't possibly be good. Well, you know, in right. his defense, uh, you know, he's hated by society. Probably no one would care. But really, if anybody's having emotions, because I know some people get emotional about heroes killing or whatever. Right. But in his defense, Uras was making it extremely clear that, like, the, you know, beatdown came because of him. Right. So, you know, it's it's all defense. But uh, I'm with you. I think that it, it can't make things look better. But how much more death row can they put you on, you know what I mean? I suppose right. that's true. Uh, that the panel where dragons just beat the hell. I love how he's got that like floppy cauliflower ear look going on. <laughs> it looks horrible. It's fantastic. Puffed up mole man eye. And it's not even like puddles of blood. It's like some kind of chunky blood coming out near his mouth. Kind of look there. Something I don't know. Probably coughed up a chunk of something. <laughs> It'll be fine. You know what's a bomb? I always love this. The other thing, the other time that he did this was when he chewed up a dime and spit it through uh, Chelsea Nirvana's head. Yeah. Yeah, right. He was climbing up a building, didn't have a gun, so he chewed up a dime and spit it through her head. It was fantastic then. Yes. This is fantastic here. What's so awesome about this is that it is, A, a display of super strength, but also one of the subtle things that the Chosen Ones seem to have is that super aiming ability. Right, that's right. So this is awesome yeah. for both those reasons. It's very yeah. Like and if a, you look at those those early issues when he had guns, he was again it kind of talked, kind of showed his super aiming ability. He was able to like hit bullseyes and stuff like that. So this is I, this, I hadn't thought of that. That's a really good point. You, all, you, you it often gets underplayed that he has like perfect aim. 
it's really downplayed, I think. But even like you saw Malcolm playing basketball and he was like sideways and threw the basketball in anyway. And it's kind of like you see it manifesting even in Malcolm. So, yeah, it's a really underplayed power of his. But, yeah, that's a chosen one ability. Super aiming. So we should probably – oh, well. So this issue, pretty nuts. <laughs> I, I got to uh... agree that this is definitely one of the best – in a very long, in a long, well, not best in a long time. It's it's one of the best in a long line of bests, if that makes any sense. It does. I'm with you. Yeah, yeah. It's just, it's just there, there's just so much, so many characters die this issue. <laughs> That's how you know it's Savage Dragon when like people are getting chopped in half and things spit through their head. Yeah, and, and not just like bit players like Mutation and Uras. I mean, Uras is kind of. Battleaxe. Yeah. Well, now, Battleaxe, I do want to say, important distinction. Barry thinks Battleaxe dead. Malcolm's not so sure. So the scene closes. We don't know just yet. Yeah, it would be um, interesting if she was still alive. I find it a tad unlikely. I think it's she, unlikely. She's too. looking pretty uh, skull face there. <laughs> yeah. That's generally an indication. Yeah. Just, just the thought to throw it out there, though. I would like to see her still alive because Battle Axe does have great design, like you said. This was a fantastic, uh, fantastic issue. I mean, from start to end, like you know, we but we've been saying that this book is just kicking ass. I mean, it's really like I didn't hate the Dragon War or anything, but I it, hated it. You hated it. No, no, I was going to complete your sentence. Oh, yeah. Good. But you hated it. <laughs> no, I didn't hate it. <laughs> I didn't hate it, but I hated it. No, I didn't hate it, but it, it's funny to me. I heard people complaining or whatever that things weren't, you know, how they liked or whatever. When I see... Oh, I love Dragon War myself. What, what was it? It was maybe Invasion that I'm thinking. Yeah, the Invasion. Invasion was flawed. See, Invasion. So I liked Invasion at the time. But when you see the book doing stuff like this, like it has been for the last couple of months, it becomes evident why people were maybe dissatisfied with that. Because this really is how this book, this is like uh, Savage Dragon as it should be. Yeah, my thing, I, I think where it comes down to is when when Eric kind of focuses more on the street level, I think this book is the best. But I also I enjoy the fact that Eric does things like battling gods and alien invasions. I enjoy the variety, but I think Eric's strength is writing when he when it comes to this book is writing things on the street level, where it's kind of more micro than macro, where where you can kind of have you know guys just having conversations and it's street level villains and and dragon or Malcolm. I think that's where this book kind of excels. I tell you. If indeed our main man is on his way out, he is kicking ass all the way down. Like, this has just been fantastic. I think, see, what I want to say is I felt like the book had a handoff to Malcolm that fans didn't quite love. Right. And I think that, you know, it jumped back in Dragon's hands, I think maybe to steer the ship back, maybe away from that, because it wasn't exactly taking... But I really, really dig Malcolm more, a lot more. And if this is the handoff, like I don't know, it's just it's going it's going down a lot better this time. 
Yeah. I I really think I know, you know, Eric's mentioned that the book's gonna go into like the Batman Beyond phase where Malcolm has a mentor. I really think it's gonna be Dragon as the mentor. I, I don't think Eric has it in him to kinda kill Dragon off. Dragon still. Ghost. Yeah. I don't know. I I I think Dragon's still sticking around in some capacity and just kind of in the shadows. That way, if Eric wants to bring him back to fight for a couple of scenes or something, he can. But he'll he'll be more of the like Alfred role or whatever, or the Batman Beyond, Bruce Wayne, whatever. And it would be cool stories. I think too that creates potential for cool stories like when you have. Uh, well, I mean, really, honestly, anytime there are. It's so funny. I was about to say, but there are comics where you have old man stories about characters. Like uh, Wolverine, you know, there's a, quite a few graphic novels like that where Wolverine's old, but he's still an ass kicker. So just because yeah. the character is getting old, you know, it's cool to see those characters still be excellent while dealing with this aging thing. So well, and and how cool would it be to see like Dragon, you know, in another ten years and see what he would look like? You know, is his eyebrows going to be all gray? I mean, is he going to get more? you know, uh, wrinkles and stuff. It'd just be a neat visual to see this guy age, you know, as time goes on. And then yeah. it's like, you know, we've seen him from like, you know, a young or a late 20s guy all the way to like, you know, his 60s or something like that, you know. It's definitely, anyway. it's awesome. I, I'm totally, I'm down with it. These backups. <laughs> The backups are fascinating. I love them. <laughs> I, you know, the, the backups as a whole. It just when you take these and look at these, at at this point, you know, these backups are from like you know they're they're pre continuity Savage Dragon, so before Image and everything like that. And it's just funny to me that Eric wrote so many stories about the Paul Dragon version of Dragon. Where he doesn't do anything but just hang around his house. Well, that's the thing, Paul. This 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 strikes me. This isn't a superhero comic. This is a comedy. This is yeah. like this. Not what am I thinking of? It's like part Scooby Doo, part Archie. It's I don't know. It's like a gag comic. It's like remember back in the early 100s when he was trying to do the comic strips, comic strips. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it's like what that. This is like. This is like the precursor to that. It's just funny. You just get like you know. Five or six pages of just like family hangout time. It's just like it just seems weird to me. Like it would be something maybe you did if you had issues under your belt, but it just seems funny to me. In 1984, Eric's drawing you know non-superhero stories about Dragon. He's just kind of like you could replace Dragon with just any old dad or something like that, and it would still kind of work in these stories. You make him green and put a fin on his head, and suddenly it's gold. It is yeah. funny too because like look how badass he looks in that first panel, <laughs> and then the right, rest leaning is... over on the phone. Yeah, <laughs> you're, talking, you're talking about like the, the oh the, no, I'm sorry, I'm talking in, about are we talking about because the, there's there's basically no, two it... comics. One is yeah, like self aware thing where where Dragon and Eric Larson are basically button heads, and then there's the actual story itself, right? Which I think is is genius. This this one page like introspective thing it's it's 
that Genius. that I like that first page though on the the actual story the angel fuel quake story like Raven was saying you get that badass dragon look and it's like him saying this means war and uh, you expect it to be like him talking to some kind of villain or something and then it's, <laughs> and it's like him they're playing, playing... Like a board game <laughs> it couldn't have been but, more like lame <laughs> but it's funny be... playing shoots and ladders. But it's funny, too, because Eric, you can see how he's progressed as a storyteller. Because if he did something like that nowadays, that would be a splash page, and you'd have to turn the page to see what it is. Because it doesn't really work as well as just the panel, because you you can see what's going on in the panels below. So it gives away the gag, you know? Uh, That's true. (laughs) I would like him to do an entire issue like this. I think that would be hilarious. Do, Do current dragon... And like do a story like this, even if it's like out of continuity. Like Say. just hanging out at, ho- at his just house. Just hanging out and being goofy, dad. Yeah, time. but you, we had all that, like you said, in in the one hundreds when he was doing those like when he was trying to go for those strips. It was like family yeah. circus. That's true. You know, in the I'm uh, kind of glad that's over. I, I was not into that as much. It, I was okay with it. But, I mean, it was never when the book was at its best. (laughs) I mean, I guess if you've got Angel around being a cute little kid, you can't have it be all ass-kicking all the time. Right. And it was kind of cool, too. I don't know. Here's what's so funny. Think about, like, you know, Reed and Sue's kid in the Fantastic Four. I hate their kids, you know? Really? I just don't like <laughs> Franklin and what's I love name? Franklin. Um, I'm not totally sure about the girl because she died and then they brought her back and it's all very complicated. And now she's like a smart ass. I just think kids in comics generally are poorly done. I, th- I think they've been doing a lot better because I have read some of the uh, FF, uh, the Freedom Foundation stuff, and it, they do a pretty good job dealing with like superpowered kids now. Mm-hmm. It helps that the entire book is dedicated to it, I guess. I don't know. I, I think I think there is space in this world for children of superheroes to be children. I just think there has you have to strike a good balance. Okay. You, you, I think artificially aging them, like what happened to Franklin, is the wrong way to go about it, in my opinion. Right. But you do have to have some sort of real-time aging like Savage Dragon did. But even Savage Dragon basically put Malcolm under a rug for... 15 years and then brought him back as a teenager so you get to skip all that yeah yeah so really it's the same thing as franklin richards it just took longer <laughs> i just think that uh it was if there was one thing about the family era that i was like okay with yeah is that it was kind of a kid in comics that i didn't hate reading right like I, yeah i, I like love it. I love Angel as a character. I, I, seeing her grow up like that, I just, I loved it. Yeah, I, I liked Angel as a character. I wasn't big on like the whole strip kind of way yeah. of doing things. I, and I can but, understand that. But I'm also glad that he did it because it's just another, you know, it didn't last the whole series or anything like that, and it was just another one of the experiments that Eric did, and that's what I love about this book that it's. You know, you don't like the way something is for right now, stick around 10 issues and it's going to, you know, Eric will totally do a 180 and give you something else, you know, and it just keeps the book fresh. Yeah. I just got to say, I love Jennifer's Charlie Brown 
uh, angry face on like the uh, <laughs> uh, what page is this? One, two, third, third page, panel seven. Yeah, <laughs> where they're both asleep on her. Right. Yeah. The squiggly line, like the angry squiggle above. Yeah. That's a total Charlie Brown moment. <laughs> this is good stuff. I mean, you know, it's so funny. It, it's like, even though it's kind of like, even though it's kind of so weird, you would think for like a superhero to like be doing this kind of stuff. It's the kind of thing where it's like the fact that it's even enjoyable at all. Because normally, like, it's the kind of thing I hate to read in comics. I'm just like, oh, God. <laughs> but yeah. I don't know. It, it's good. It's funny stuff. Like, the gags and bits work for me. Right. I, I, so I, should, uh... Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I just want to say, though, the, the, the gag it ends on is kind of funny. Because we all know what they should be doing, but they're not. <laughs> right. That is a big-ass beanbag. It's funny, it's a sign of the times where you look how small the TV is and how boxy it is, and it's got the little antenna, antennas. It's definitely, like, places it in a certain era. Oh, yeah. It's on the little, like, cart with wheels. Yeah. The one in the living room had rabbit ears, too. Yeah. <laughs> Raven, didn't you have something to say about Paul Dragon? I hate Paul Dragon's tiny fin. I can't stand that fin. I hate the sight of it. <laughs> it's like a croissant died in his head. I hate See, it. That, this is the weird thing. I've been I've been reading through it, checking out the various angles. All right, in the very first panel on that, and the very first page of the backup, you get that straight on look, and it is, does look like a, basically like a big worm or croissant caressing his forehead. Right. But every like and then you side, get the side panels like, and sideways. It actually yeah. looks like a little thin little fin going across his head so which is it <laughs> is, is it a, is it a solid chunk or is it like a flippy little uh flab yeah yeah i got uh, yeah i know what you're saying he hasn't mastered you know the the look of it yet or how to get it on different angles because it looks like a yeah like you're saying it looks like a croissant like a, a rounded type fin when you see it from the front and then when you see it from the side it looks like a wafer yeah I also like the fact that uh, this has that weird kind of like shading. Like I don't know what that shading is. It looks like tone or something. Yeah. Yeah. The dots. Yeah, yeah. Like it's so weird. I'm kind of like my brain. I'm having trouble wrapping my brain around what that is. It's like it's like I don't know splatter or some kind. It's like a I don't know. It's worth noting too that like that last panel where the characters are wanting series. You know, there's Guy and Duder, the Deadly Duo. You know, Mako. Mako, yeah. Who's the dude with the chewed up, like, brain head? <laughs> oh, the one that says Eric? Yeah. That's a little caricature he did of himself from, like, high school. If you look through his old, like, I think it's on his Facebook page or something, but, like, in his yearbooks, he used to draw that little head, I think, like, all over the place. It's It's something from his, like, high school, like, sketches. Something he always put in. It, it showed up in other places. Yeah. That, it, was, it was cool that if you look, Dart is in there. Guy Dart. and Duder. Like, there's so many, like, star. It looks like um, Horridus kind of above his forehead, but I don't know if that was actually yeah. her. 
And then Animal. Animal was kind of like on the very bottom under his like wrist saying Eric. Oh, yeah. Is that the wicked worm? Star. Star is under the exclamation point in Arg. Oh, yeah. There's powerhouses in between his fingers. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I didn't notice that. And and Zeke is in the corner. Yep. The lower corner. Hopefully, the listener, we haven't lost that yet, but we're talking about the first page in the backup. Oh, yeah, that lower can... right-hand panel. You've even got, got the shrew between uh, Eric about my series and mine. The shrew? Oh, above, yeah. Oh, the yeah, top. there he is. Well... Hmm. Who's the guy with the upside down face and like the circle mouth? <laughs> his mouth is an eyeball and like the rest of his face is like upside down. I don't know. There's a guy that looks like kind of like, is it Alex Wild or is it Spock? <laughs> it's cool. It's just cool to see like these characters like way back. Like they had a presence even way back when this thing was just... When Dragon was Paul Dragon, like those characters are all still there. That's what's kind of neat. Yeah. I would like to see at some point, you know, if Dragon sticks around the series, him with his pair of jeans on and just that Batman utility belt with the D on it that he wears as Paul Dragon. <laughs> you thought it looked like a Batman utility belt, too? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't catch that it was a D. Like. That's awesome. That's fantastic. Anyway, I think we should, uh, I think we've kind of gone pretty far. It's amazing how much time we spent on this issue. Yeah, you know, we, we were usually, afraid we were going to run out of time. I mean, we were afraid we were, we were going to run short. Yeah, I mean, usually we try to fit in, you know, a, a, you know, a back issue kind of comic or something when we only have one thing and no guest, but, like, you know, we were saying off air there's just so much in this issue to talk about so much fat to chew on (laughs) so uh let's talk about the next episode savage dragon 190 well i think i'd like to hear raven uh i think i read the solicitation again i think i could talk a little bit about that uh The countdown to the biggest and most significant change for Savage Dragon continues as Dragon faces Mako in jail for their most brutal battle ever. So there you go. That's the copy on that one. And that's this this 190 is the one that's going to be uh, featured as uh, both uh, what uh, regular format and digest. Yep. That's just around the corner. You know, probably in a couple, two, three weeks. And uh, we've also recently heard that the backup is going to be a deadly duo. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. And it, too, will be formatted in both formats. So it'll be interesting to see someone else going along with uh, what Eric's trying to do. Right. And the the artist for that backup is Scott James, who, if you remember, he did the Alex Wilde backup story uh, back in Savage Dragon 143. And then was it two... Two issues ago, he did that like spoof hostess pie. Uh, I think it was one last page. issue. Was it last issue? Yeah, it was, it was last, last issue. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, he's going to be drawing it, and he's got a great style that that complements kind of like Eric's style really well. 
kind of reminds me of like a Mark Engler kind of style too. Like it, it's definitely like in the Eric Larson school. It's fun. Yeah, it's definitely like it fits well in that Larson universe, but it's got like a really great kind of a like a an animated look to it. It's good. Yeah, yeah. So can't wait for that. Sick. It's gonna be fantastic. Gonna be a born burner. Yeah, it's gonna be. Uh, I'm I'm certainly looking forward to it. What if it's a total letdown? What if oh, we- then um, <laughs> I guess I'll just cancel it. My subscription. I don't think this story art can be a letdown. I mean, it yeah. doesn't get any sweeter than Dragon in prison. I agree. I agree. Um, unless and Dragon God, facing unless, Mako. Unless All God turns up and like ruins it. <laughs> you you guys uh you guys think Mako dies in this issue? I hope not. I'm gonna say but yes. Odds are. I don't know. It, it go either it's, way. It, it's going to be Mako versus Dragon. It's got to be like all out. I mean, these guys have been going back and forth now. You know. Yeah, but he got walloped by his kid. I kind of hope the uh wait, what's it what was it? Solicitation says is Dragon faces Mako in jail for their most brutal battle ever. Maybe they fight back to back. Who knows? No way. <laughs> No way. This they is forged gonna... a friendship that lasts until Dragon dies. <laughs> I just want to see Mako taking like huge bites out of like Dragon, just totally ripping him apart. I just want to see like I really want to see their most brutal battle yet. Yeah, and like... I want to see Mako go out with a bang. I think I have a feeling he might. I, I think you know Eric wants to kind of tie up all the old Dragon stuff. And move on, like we saw with Animal and Bloop. Kind of now they they're getting negated. I, I think there's going to be very few Rogues Gallery from from Dragon moving on to quote unquote Malcolm's world. I agree. Right. That's why I think I'm calling it now, Babe Ruth style. Mako goes down in the third round. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna say he lives. Okay. If you're we'll right, I kind of hope you're right in a way because I like the character, but I also really want to see him kind of go down fighting. I don't know. If you're I still right, think, I still think someday he may redeem himself. Jim, if you were <laughs> right, I will buy you a Papa John's gift certificate. That would be super useful since there's no Papa John's anywhere near me. Well, you know, better ingredients, better pizza. Fair enough. Gift certificate for one dollar. <laughs> I didn't say the value, right? Don't ruin $1. it for dollar. <laughs> you can get some bread. <laughs> I, I actually, well, you can tip the guy. Yeah, so a lot to look <laughs> forward to in the next issue. I, I honestly can't wait. It's gonna be excellent. Both, both to see the fight and to see the, uh, the format. And I really, I really want to also for anybody you know that's out here listening to Savage Dragon and whatever. I really hope that. Everybody takes this opportunity as this book is moving, you know, in an exciting, like, Malcolm-centric direction or whatever. You know, really talk the book up. Tell everybody how good it's been and tell everybody that it, they're creating this jump-on point. Because I think this is going to be your best bet in years to get this book in someone's hands and them actually give it a chance. Totally agree. And I also want to know where you live, Jim. Where there's no Papa John's. Are you like out in the backwoods? Nope. Uh, there's nothing here in southeastern Connecticut. Well, I'm sure there's one somewhere. Just nowhere's near me. They are everywhere. We had them they in West are. Virginia. 
They have one where I used to live in upstate New York. Uh, we, we turned up. Not that I ever go to them, but right. I thought they I've, were like the Starbucks I, of pizza. I've only eaten at one once, and that was like 15, 12 years ago. You aren't missing anything. <laughs> I love how I just I've hijacked recently discovered, Raven's uh, point. Domino's Raven was trying. <laughs> I'm not a fan of deep dish. No? No. I, I like cannot do dish pizza. I like uh, any kind of pizza is good. There's no such thing as a bad pizza. I'm a ninja turtle when it comes to pizzas. Chicago, like deep dish? No, I can't do it. Anyway, I just hijacked. Raven was trying to be all sincere, telling people <laughs> this is this is where you got to get on Savage Dragon. And then here I am. Dude, let's talk about Papa John some more. <laughs> Well, you know, I mean, hey, it takes a village to raise a child. <laughs> nah, Lots of Papa John's. <laughs> I think that uh, definitely, Jim, you're not missing anything by not living near Papa John's. Listeners, nah, it's garbage. Yeah, it tastes like it's like you know, if you want, if you like fancy laxative all gussied up, but the end result's <laughs> the same. Well, then enjoy Papa John's. Anyway, I think we need to wrap this up. <laughs> uh, I'm good. I think Thanks. we've lost all of our listeners now. <laughs> Echo. <laughs> all right, everyone. Well, that was a good episode. Enjoy the listening. issue. Thank you. Thanks for yeah. listening. The Savage Fincast is a part of the Gutter Trash Network and the Image Addiction family of podcasts. It can be found at either fincast.guttertrash.net or imageaddiction.net.